Welcome to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are on a journey this quarter through the Book of Psalms, and this week is lesson number three: The Lord Reigns. We're going to look at something very fascinating this week. But before we do, as usual, let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for being with us again this week as we continue our journey through the Book of Psalms. Help us to gain a better picture, a greater understanding. Of who you are and your impact on the Psalms, and ultimately your impact in our lives, we ask that you'll bless our time together, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my guest today, as in the last couple of weeks and through the remainder of the quarter, is Dr. Dragoslava Santrak. She is well; she's passionate about the Psalms. I guess that's a good way of saying it. Slava, welcome back once again. Thank you. Nice being here. So we've already looked at. Two lessons, and this week we're looking at the Lord reigns.、Uh, as we look at this, what are some of the fundamental beliefs upon which the world of the Psalms is built? What are we What are we understanding or or assuming?、Uh, maybe assuming is an appropriate word as we enter into the Book of Psalms with respect to God. How does this all fit together? Yes, if there was uh, 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 just a few words. To describe this fundamental belief, the foundation on which the entire building of the Psalms stand, it would be the Lord reigns, and from that every other theme finds its meaning. In that every other appeal and activity in the Psalms has its context. It's the sovereign reign of the Lord as the sovereign ruler and king of everything that exists. Okay, so if we don't understand that, Psalms really don't mean too much. It, it, it is somewhat empty. But if that is the case, if the Lord does reign, if He is who He is. Then all of a sudden, the Psalms have a much deeper meaning, a much more solid foundation,、uh, an immovable foundation. If He is who He is, what what kind of words would describe the faith of the Psalms in a nutshell? Yes, I would definitely、uh, again repeat: the Lord reigns. That's at the core of the Psalmist belief, and.、Uh, As we will study even more in the following lessons, even when、uh, that reign is challenged, the Psalms never abandon the faith in this basic proclamation: "The Lord reigns," and、uh, because the Lord reigns, the earth is called to rejoice because God will do all things in its right time. God is not surprised. God is not weak. He reigns. He is in control. That's the the basic, the foundation of everything. So, if that's the foundation, and everything else kind of springs from that, how do we experience that? What does that mean to the life of a Christian? We know it's foundational. We know it's important. But bring that out. So, how do we experience God's rule in our personal lives? That's an excellent question, and the first we find that the Lord is Creator. That's the basic uh, uh, relationship that we have: that He's our Heavenly Father, the one who created us. Then He is also the Judge, meaning that God created us, but He also gave us certain guidelines or His righteous principles and laws. To guide us in His creation, 
then also we experience God as the Savior, the one who forgives, the one who redeems. And of course, we experience God as the one who comes, the one to whom, whom we expect. So he plays a, a great many roles in, in our life as the sovereign. And it's not something um, fluffy. It's not something intellectual, but these are very real roles that he plays uh, in our lives. You asked some interesting questions during the course of this week's lesson. Uh, One of the questions that you ask is regarding Psalm 97. It says, what characterizes the Lord's reign and the domain of his reign? Uh, Can we take a look at that over in Psalm 97? I'd like to, to kind of dwell on that just a little bit. So in Psalm 97... Uh, what characterizes the Lord's reign? You've, re- you've mentioned here uh, or referenced verses 2 and 10. Clouds and darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. In verse 10, you who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the souls of his saints. He delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Dive into that a little bit more. Who, who is he and why is this so important? Yes. yes. So the Lord bases his reign on justice and righteousness. That's who he is. He is just and he is righteous. And as such, he has that prerogative to judge the world. Now, when we say the word judge the world, it, it, it can create some uneasiness in us. But if we just look at verse 1, the Lord reigns, let the earth what? Rejoice. Rejoice. And then uh, verses 11 and 12 speak of gladness, speak again of joys. Why? Because by his justice and his righteousness, God does not punish, God delivers. You know? So, so when we think of God's judgment and his righteousness and his reign, we should think of God who delivers. The God who comes to save what he can save. And that is the reason the earth rejoices. Now, will there be some who won't be rejoicing? Well, verse 7 says, Let all be put to shame who serve carved images, who boast of idols. So those who reject the plan of salvation, those who reject this hand that's been given graciously to them, There is no other way of salvation. And if we reject the only way, there is nothing left by shame and destruction. But this is not God's desire. God desires that by judgment to help us get rid of everything that stands between us and him as our creator and to redeem us from evil. You know, Slava, as we look at the world today, there is a great deal of concern about injustice uh, about one group judging another but this this should help us to lay aside some of those fears because today many people may not receive what they consider to be justice the world is an is an unjust place and injustices abound but this helps us to remember that god is reliable that he's going to bring a genuine justice and a genuine hope how might that give someone encouragement today. Yes, yes. Well, the encouragement is that the Lord reigns. 
that He is the living God and that He is in control and His word will be the last. Psalm 96 says, say among the nations. So there is a call for the believers to say something about the injustices in the world. And the message is the Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Sometimes we may think we are going to perish. All of us, this planet Earth is going to dissolve. But there is a promise here that the world is firmly established and it shall not be moved. Why? Because the Lord will judge the peoples righteously. But sometimes, Eric, we want to take verses like this and say the judgment belongs to God. And it does. And he's the one who will level all unlevel things and bring the, the, the right up and the wrong down. But let us not re- uh, forget verse 10 that we read in Psalm 97. You who love the Lord, do what? Hate, Hate evil. evil. There is a responsibility on us to speak against injustice and to work against injustice for us to play a part, not to be neutral and sit aside and say, well, one day the Lord will. The Lord wants to use us where we can and how he can even today. So there's there are real tangible, practical ways that we yes. can invo- be involved in God's yes. justice that he wishes to see, he desires to see on earth. We may not be able to turn the tide of everything, exactly. but that doesn't mean that we should stay silent either. But there is that encouragement that even when there are things that we can't change, things that are beyond our abilities, that ultimately God is going to to bring up the right and bring down the wrong. And that, that ought to give us some hope rather than leaving us in frustration exactly. that we just can't change everything, yes. everything. So the book of Psalms, as you've mentioned, gives us a clearer picture of God, of his sovereignty. But in our first week together, you, you mentioned how the book of Psalms kind of transitions from, from challenging times and discouraging things to, to hope and maybe enlightenment. I don't know if that's a good word to use here. So when we, when we, feel, when we feel that the world is unjust, maybe reading some of those latter Psalms, like what we're reading here, uh, could lift us up and could encourage us. Yes, that, that's true, absolutely. And uh, the Psalms will give us words if there is a victim. The Psalms will give you words. You are not to keep quiet. God wants you to speak. And uh, also the Psalms will lead you, will lead us towards that hope. So there is this, as we mentioned earlier, that the Psalms give us words to pray to God and express our, our thoughts and our hurts. But the Psalms will also provide this feedback of hope and lead us to this wonderful message that the Lord is coming and his judgment will not be late. So it seems sometimes like wickedness is, is prevailing. Is prevailing. That's yes. a good word. I like that. Mm-hmm. And, and we look and we say, you know, how long, O oh Lord, is that, is that cry? But in the book of Psalms, he helps us to understand that there is light beyond the darkness. And if we can be involved in that, then praise him for it. But even if we can't affect the change that we wish that we could or, 
or can't undo some wickedness or injustice that has been done, we can know that in the future things are going to work out better. But we can, in tangible ways, uh, make some difference today. So this is, this is a fantastic week that we're going through here with, with God reigning in his sovereignty. Uh, and, and we've mentioned this a couple of times already, but if somebody wants to dig more deeply into this and other subjects in the Psalms, talk about the companion book for just a yes. moment. Yes, the companion book, a wonderful addition to the Sabbath School Quarterly, the Sabbath School Guide, where you can follow week by week what we do uh, in this quarterly and then learn more in-depth information about the topics and themes mentioned in this uh, quarterly or adult Bible study guide. Thank you, Slava. And if you are wanting to pick that up, and I would strongly encourage you to do that, it's very easy to do. Simply go to itiswritten.shop. That's itiswritten.shop. And you will there find the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath school lesson. Uh, Easy to pick up, easy to find, and easy to read through. You will find so much more that will bring a great deal uh, of depth to your study of the book of Psalms. We're going to continue in just a moment when we come back looking at God's reign. We'll be right back. It's the longest chapter in all of the Bible. Psalm 119, 176 verses long, with all but just a very few of those verses speaking about the Word of God. Don't miss great chapters of the Bible, Psalm 119, and journey through this beautiful psalm. The law of God, the statutes of God, the commandments of God, The Word of God focused on by David, the writer of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 gives us deep insights into not only the Word of God, but the faithfulness, the love, and the heart of a mighty God. Don't miss great chapters of the Bible, Psalm 119, and grow your appreciation for the Word of God. Psalm 119. Brought to you by It Is Written TV. Planning for your financial future is a vital aspect of Christian stewardship. For this reason, It Is Written is pleased to offer free planned giving and estate services. For information on how we can help you, please call 800 992 2219. Call today or visit our website, hislegacy.com. Call 800-992-2219. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We are looking at lesson number three about God's reign and His sovereignty. Uh, Slava, we mentioned a, a moment ago about God's creatorship and the fact that Really, everything in the Psalms is making that assumption that he is the creator. Why is that identity of God being the creator so very critical for us to understand? Yes, it is very critical because it gives us identity, our true identity. Uh, Today we hear from psychologists and uh, social workers how people, especially young people, struggle with identity, with a sense of self-worth finding a a purpose in life. So knowing that God is our creator gives us identity as being God's children. 
And it led the psalmist in Psalm 8 exclaim how wonderfully I'm created. And, and, and he rejoices in the fact that the Lord created him the way he did. So it gives us a sense of who we are. It builds the, the sense of self-worth that we truly need. And in the same time, it gives us humility because we realize that we are not the center of the universe, but it is God who gives everything that is. So this uh, self-reliance is so unnecessary. We can rest and rejoice in the care and love of our Heavenly Father. And also, uh, God as creator, understanding that fully, guard us against idolatry. Because as human beings, we have to put trust in something. If it's not ourselves or our money, our profession, then maybe it's po politics, a government, uh, 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 whatever. But we seek for an outward, for an outside authority to, to place our trust. And all these things will disappoint us at one point or another. But God as our creator, he's the only one uh, uh, worthy of our trust. And also it helps us appreciate God, but also other people, because them now are not a product of evolution, where, you know, through the fight of the fittest, we win the prize. They become my brothers and sisters, God's children, just like myself. It's a wonderful theme. God as creator is as important as God being the sovereign king. You know, I think what you point out is, is really important because it, it helps us to understand a right relationship that we should have with other people. We look around the world today, probably don't have to look very far. You know, turn on your favorite news channel or pull up your favorite news app and you see um, discontent. I guess we'll, we'll put it that way. And, and that's probably spoken very lightly compared to a lot of the things that are, that are going on in the world today. And much of that is because we don't understand that we are brothers and sisters. When, when much of the world is trying to teach us that we did evolve through macroevolution and we're, you know, so many cells that miraculously came together, well, miraculously is the wrong word, uh, that by, by chance, chance came together, which is really a miracle, yes. but by chance came together, and some have advantages and some have disadvantages, it, it can indeed put us at, at odds with one another. But understanding that, that God is our creator, that we have that same identity, that same relationship with one another, uh, that we are all of one blood, it really it, it changes the playing field on, on the planet, or at least it should, if we all had that, that understanding. But seeing that we are indeed created beings, you mentioned also that it's, it, we shouldn't be so full of ourselves, but but appreciating God for what he has done in us and through us and, and is continuing to do in us is, is really, really huge. I want to come back to something we touched on a little bit earlier, and that is judgment. Uh, when we take a look at God's judgment, we, we mentioned that God's judgment is good news. And you hit on something in Wednesday's lesson. The question is asked, the theme of God's judgment prompts a significant question. How can God's people have peace with God and assurance of salvation at the time of judgment. There are many Christians who struggle with this. Am I good enough? Have I done enough? And, and really these are questions that are based on 
a misunderstanding of salvation and lean more toward a salvation by works approach. But when we understand God's sovereignty and who he is and his role in the judgment, how should that give us encouragement and how can we face the judgment without the fear and trepidation that so often uh, embody people's thoughts about the judgment or worries about the judgment? Well, I will use one simple illustration from everyday life that I believe many can relate to. I am married, I love my husband, and I know that he loves me. Being married means that we are in a covenantal marital relationship. Now, do we sometimes have some disagreements? Am I allowed to say publicly, yes? But then, am I to wonder, oh no, now my husband is going to leave me. He doesn't love me anymore because I told him, I I was frustrated and I said that. Or maybe the lunch I prepared was not to the best of his tasting and all. So am I to fear now he's going to uh, leave, he's going to love me less? Never. Why? Because our relationship is based on much stronger and bigger things than these little disagreements we may have from time to time. And that is what? Covenant, faithfulness to that marital covenant. And number two, love. Now, if we human beings who are sinful and selfish by nature implement these high values in our lives, how much more God? So the key word that makes God's judgment A good news is covenant, or two words, God's covenant. God is faithful to his covenant. And we read uh, uh, in Psalm 94, which is a, a psalm about God's judgment, in verse 14 and 15, For the Lord will not cast off his people, nor will he forsake or forget his inheritance, but judgment will return to righteousness and all the upright in heart will follow it. In many other Psalms, we read how God remembers his covenant and because he remembers his covenant, he takes pity on his erring, uh, sinful, repentant children. And that's the wonderful news. So that's something that we should spend more time thinking about and less time worrying about Am, am I good enough to be saved? Am I ready to be saved? I mean, we should all feel ready to be saved by the grace of God. But it's not by something that we are actively doing. We're trusting in his goodness and, and his promises that he's not going to forsake us. If we've chosen him and we've surrendered our lives and our, ourselves to him, then we're in that relationship that we shouldn't spend time worrying so much. On Thursday, you talk about your testimonies are very sure. And you, you give us a list of, of verses that we can read there through the Psalms um, and a common thread that runs through them. If his testimonies are very sure, why does that give us hope? It gives us hope that God does not change. They say that in a, a psychology of education for children, the worst, one of the worst things parents can do is to be unreliable in, in uh, what they demand or expect from their children. So if it is one day I want you to wash the dishes every day 
and then tomorrow I just don't care if you didn't say, ah, it's fine. The child is going to be confused. Am I supposed to do this or that or does it matter? But with God, his word is sure. His precepts are always right. God does not change. His will revealed in his word and through his righteous laws are clear and they do not change. And by following them, we get this reassurance that we are given guidance in this life. Uh, uh, the psalmist will say in Psalm 119 that your word is the lamp to my feet. In his culture, uh, uh, they literally had lamp attached to the feet to help them see in the dark uh, the path so that a snake or some other dangers are not there. So this firm word of God, his righteous laws, they give us a direction and we can rely on them. So he's very consistent. Yes. Uh, you're right. One of the things, the challenges that we face in this life is that life seems to be inconsistent. But we can come back to God and we can know he is consistent. Uh, his word doesn't change. He doesn't change. And because of that, we can have confidence that he's going to do what he's promised to do. If somebody is concerned, they're, they're worried about themselves, about someone that they care about. More often than not, they're worried about themselves and their relationship. What kind of words of encouragement, of hope, would you give to that person to remind them that, that our God reigns, that he is on his throne, and that they don't need to spend so much time worrying, maybe spend less time worrying and more time trusting? Yes, yes. Well, I, I can think of many uh, verses in the, in the book of Psalms, but I just remembered when I heard your question, Psalm 61 Verse 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I believe that today there are many people whose hearts are overwhelmed. If not because of our personal life situation, then just by listening to the news and hearing about the atrocities happening around the world, it is just too overwhelming. And we tend to sink and get deep into depression and sorrow because we feel helpless. However, the Psalms remind us that the Lord reigns. He's the one who created us. He's the one who sustains our lives. And he's the one who, through his righteous judgments, will redeem this world from all these evils and, and sadness and atrocities. And the prayer here that we read, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Who is that rock? What is that rock? It is the Lord. In the Psalms, the Lord is pictured as the rock of my salvation. What I love about this verse is that that rock is higher than I. And you know, when you are on a higher level, you can see much bigger, broader picture than when you are down in the valley. Let us remember that God is high lifted up. He sees the entire picture. He sees your life. He sees this world. Slava, thank you for that verse, for those thoughts, for the something to dwell upon and, and really draw close to our hearts. They are encouraging words. And thank you for joining us once again this week as we have continued our journey through the book of Psalms. We, of course, 
We'll be back again le- next week with lesson number four as we learn more about Jesus through the book of Psalms. This has been Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written.